Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Today's story comes from Nadine McCarthy, a change facilitator and innovator who is passionate about activating systemic transformation, having led multiple projects at a national level in Ireland to create systems and change in education, youth leadership, society, and the well-being curriculum at the post-primary level. Nadine also supports entrepreneurs globally through her signature online program, The Celtic Leader. She takes their big-hearted vision to purpose-driven mission. Nadine's work brings Khalil Gibran's quote to life, work is love made visible. It is my honor to share the story of Nadine McCarthy and the work she's doing around the world with Celtic Leader. Yeah, look, we can t- take us in whatever. I was kind of setting an intention myself this morning. I was doing meditation and I was I was reminded of, I probably won't be able to quote this verbatim, but I was really reminded of one of John O'Donoghue's. Um, in my meditation, I wanted to just set a, med- set a meditation, set an intention for us and for us meeting today. And... Um, I was thinking about, uh, as I say, I'm paraphrasing now, but he had a beautiful quote from what I believe is maybe one of the last poems that he was writing before he passed away. And it's something like, I would love to live like a river flows, carried along by the surprise of its own unfolding. And so I was thinking, well, that let that be my intention and our intention to flow with the mystery and to flow with the unfolding. So... Yeah, I love that. Um, and as you know, I am very, very, very much a, a student of John O'Donoghue. So. Oh, yeah, me too. Lifelong, lifelong. Such a legacy. Yeah. Wow, what a legacy. Um, yeah. T- su- such a legacy. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm curious, like, how, what is the perception of him in Ireland today? Because it's it's such an interesting way that I came across him those years that we actually were in the West, in Ireland, you know, we were in Ballyvaughan. And I believe my, um, I have a, a godmother who came to visit us in Ireland that summer that we stayed in Ballyvaughan. And she knew of John O'Donohue. And I believe at the time he was kind of doing some gatherings, um, you know, uh, near the Burren. And I believe she joined for, for one of those. I'm so, 
I don't want to say jealous because it's not the right word. I'm so joyous that she got to meet him uh, twice um, before he left us um, rather early. But I would be curious. I mean, as, as someone who is such a follower of John O'Donohue here in the States and sort of came upon it a little bit later in my life, what is the what is the perceptions not the word what is the legacy of john o'donohue in ireland to this day well it could be the circles i move in <laughs> but mm. he is his legacy is huge i think it's huge it's such a rippling out there's such an aliveness with his word and almost like his energetic kind of soul blueprint almost that he's left through his words yeah. Um, I know so many people here in Ireland who use him as a constant companion, as a constant resource to um, plug them into the moment, to plug them into their own spirit. People like me who would use his work to inspire others in the work that I'm doing. Um, and I think in some ways, I think well, this is just coming up in the moment now. I think there's a, I think in Ireland, which is maybe another layer to the question or in response to the question, is that I think we are beginning as a collective to really tap into our indigenous wisdom, as I think is probably a theme that's happening globally. But um, I think we are really connecting to that. And he's been already such a voice for that and has left such a legacy now for that. I think for me, well, I came across him through my dad um, mm. originally, um, who had all his books, but said he didn't really follow him. <laughs> and I think mm, he had all his right. books, and you know, and I read <laughs> Anamkara, and I always had this, I always had this link to the Irish language um, yeah. that was beyond, in some ways, comprehension here because it's a mandatory subject. We we have to learn Irish, and because of that. Um, a lot of people don't like it in school yes. um, and I also think it feels obligatory it feels obligatory yeah but I also think yeah. that there's an unconscious there's been an unconscious kind of disconnection from colonization and the impact you know of losing our language had because of that so that there's a whole that's a whole other piece um, but yeah I came across him through my dad and I just like my connection with the Irish language, reading John O'Donoghue just kind of woke my soul or enlivened my spirit or connected me into this rich depth that I couldn't put words on, but I felt. So it's, for me, it's like the Irish language. I've always felt the language almost like in my DNA and my bones without really being able to put language on that, just having an experience of it. And I think that's the Irish, it's the Irish or the Celtic or the indigenous culture that incorporates poetic writing and soulfulness and myth and music and dancing and storytelling and druidry and sorcery and all that kind of the layers and the depths. And it's kind of like, a, you know, it kind of keeps expanding. For me, all of that is contained in John O'Donoghue's writing. And it, you nearly get all of that without knowing what you're getting. If you resonate, if you resonate with it, you know. And I think just to come back to circle back to your, yeah, to your question, maybe it is the circles I move in, but I know so many people who, you know, 
John O'Donoghue's writings are like their contemporary Bibles. Yeah, I, I would I would echo that. I mean, the way I think you might have even used a very similar sort of way to describe it. A const, he's a constant companion with me, sort of sort of on this walk and at any given place or time where I do my deep thinking or writing or gathering, you know, sort of maybe near a little altar or something, there's always a John O'Donohue book an arm's length away. Like you, you shouldn't have to really move across the room to get it. Um, and, and the other thing I think which is really interesting is you talked about the indigenous part and I would definitely, um, definitely echo that sense of on a global level there seems to be this um and i don't even know if it's really a return to the indigenous i think it was always there but as you described it and even in the irish experience it was always there but because of colonization and because of um you know different power structures it was suffocated right it was um it was written out of the margins and one of the things that i've really started to realize was you can never really achieve that and the more that you try and um, push something down push something away in some vein it becomes truer in us it, but we don't have the words for it so when you do come across something like a john o'donohue piece of writing or you go through a pilgrimage or you stumble upon a part of your own history and all of a sudden that that awakening happens and you don't really understand why is that a little bit what it what it's like with the Irish language as well yeah I think I don't know what's coming to me as you were saying that is that the truth the truth of what we know at a deep level resonates and wakes up or reawakens reemerges reintegrates restrengthens in our in our body in our in our kind of collective knowing system and we, you know, we resonate at the level of that truth for us so there's the individual kind of truth um, you know whether it's a kind of a soul purpose or a leadership purpose or whatever word you want to put on that but there's a collective piece in that as well collective truth and there's so much coming to the surface and coming into consciousness for 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 us as individuals in these as I keep calling them, the immense, intense, transformative times. Like we're, you know, we have this opportunity to be forged in the fire of, of, of these COVID times. And they're not without their challenges for sure, but so much is coming up into awareness, into the light to be looked at. And in some ways the ancestral pieces or the indigenous pieces or uh, just this emerging language now between us and in the conversation, the truth, you know, the, re the truth, the resonance of what's true for us and what could maybe guide us forward um, to be integrated along with modern or contemporary, I think is so powerful. And uh, yeah, there seems to be a, an opening for that. And more and more people are resonating it's just a word that kind of I know I've said it a number of times already but it's like more people get it experience it resonate feel it um and then yeah it's it resonates yeah, the, and ripples the, <laughs> yeah it's the 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 
word that I think you said, which really kind of jumps out to me is integrate. And I, and I think it's really important. And I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit about the work you do and hear about the Celtic leader, because when you say the integrate, I'm so reminded, but that's where the hard work happens, right? I mean, in some, in some vein, we, we discover, we stumble upon, we listen in for the first time and all of this stuff comes up and we, we see these truths and we see the patterns. Um, we see the, the way actually in our own history. And then we're, then we're challenged with how do you integrate it into today's modern world. And I think one of the things that I saw in your work on the Celtic leader was this wonderful statement that, that says the Celtic leader is for those who recognize that the old ways are no longer sustainable and for those who dare to live and lead in another way. So I would love to hear more about that. How did the Celtic leader come about? I mean, you use, as I understand it, you use leadership ten, you know, tactics and tendencies, but you also bring in the ancient Celtic calendar, the seasons. You, um, you use ceremony, you use tradition, all woven into things that we might mistake, frankly, as solely modern inventions. So I would love for you to, to share a little bit about that and how you came to how this came to be. I mean, it's such a beautiful uh, canvas that you that you paint in this work, um, and would just love to hear a little bit about it. Uh, oh, thank you for the question. I can feel the emotion actually <laughs> rising in me, even just thinking about responding to that. Um, how did it come about? Well, I think the contemporary aspect the contemporary leadership aspect of the Celtic Leader Programme um, came through the work and the study um, and the practice since 2013 when I went to travel to Boston to study with Otto Scharmer to study Theory U, which is through the Presencing Institute in MIT. And everything that I read about that programme just drew me in. I, I felt there was such a, in some ways, the language was very spiritual, which I was very cautious about using that language, um, particularly because a lot of my, my clients were corporate and to talk about spirit at work or spirituality in the workplace, I had the door closed on me um, a lot of times. So I began to find a way, I suppose, to, to, to find new language but when I came to, to, you know, to actually work at that kind of deeper level anyway, um, to make it accessible and to make it safe, I guess, for people. But then when I came across the Theory U um, work, um, I just thought, wow, such a credible institution globally. Um, MIT. MIT, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and so academic as well. And then... Scientific. Yes, yeah. exactly. And then having this kind of language around... Um, societal transformation and leadership transformation and um, it, it sat really well alongside my coaching um, experience and background so coaching learning coaching which was probably going back to 2005 2006 for me was deeply transformative um, and changed the trajectory of my own life and my own career and my own way of being in the world, to be honest, and being with others and being in relationship with others. And then in 2013, I discovered Theory U, and that just kind of 
blew my mind and my heart wide open. Um, and I'll come back to that in a moment because there's a piece that's related to the Celtic leader in that. But then a third piece, so these are kind of three pieces, three components that make up the Celtic leader. The third piece was really rediscovering um, Celtic wisdom and, you know, actually realising that there was a Celtic calendar. There was a seasonality to how we used to live here on the land. And the more I discovered about that, so there's eight seasons in the Celtic calendar as opposed to the um, spring, summer, autumn, winter that we traditionally know. So there's eight. Um, and living in rhythm with that and slowing down to tune into the energies of that and the alchemizing force of that was so powerful and so potent for me that I began to dream a new way or it began to dream me really of how the coaching, the theory you work around, um, you know, creating ecosystems of change and being um, a purposeful, transformative leader in the world, um, how all of those things could, could be actually integrated, how they could be brought together. So I think I can't remember exactly the etymology of the word integrate, but it's something like to make whole. Um, and there's that, there's that kind of whole view. It's this, you know, in some ways you could describe it as a polarity. It's the ancient and the new. It's the old and the modern brought together. Um, but, yeah, so I suppose, sorry, I was thinking, what was the question? So the question was about how the Celtic leader came about. So that's a, that's a good bit of context or a good bit of background. Um, but how the Celtic leader actually was born was because those three things had happened, because I had learned, practiced, lived with, experienced, lived and breathed coaching and theory you um, and the Celtic calendar and, and those kind of ancestral or indigenous deeper ways of knowing. And in actually at um, Lunasa, which is one of the Celtic seasons around August, it's a harvesting season. Um, I, one of the core themes of that particular season is, you know, what's ripe for the picking, what's ready to harvest or will die on the vine. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, the feeling of that. And, and I had been working steadily throughout the, the Celtic year, which began the previous um, end of October, beginning of November. So the Celtic year doesn't start at the Gregorian um, New Year in January. But um, so I'd been working through the Celtic calendar and the Celtic seasons myself. And I had come to this point in the programme and I knew I had come to this point in the calendar, shall I say, and I knew that there was something bigger emerging for me because that was my intention in working with it was to, to kind of up level or deepen my purpose again. And that question was such a challenge for me in the sense of so provocative, so evocative, you know, what is ripe for the picking or will die on the vine? And almost with that kind of conscious... Um, questioning and the work that I'd done previously to that point um, I got this download um, I, I can even remember where I was but anyway I had been away for the weekend over in West Cork which is always very beautiful and soul uh, igniting um, and the download started to come in it was like the, the answer was okay you know what's ready for harvesting now what's ready what's ripe for the picking is 
a purposeful leadership course. So those were the first words that came in. And then it literally just kept flowing and the words kept coming. And then I think it became, what did it become? I think it became the purposeful leader after that. It was the second iteration. And then I remember talking to my husband one night um, and uh, I was saying to him, it's it's very purposeful leadership, but it's you know it's the it's the it's the integration of the Celtic, the Celtic wisdom with the modern, um, leadership theory and and, and practice from uh, MIT. And he said, why not combine the two? He says, why not the Celtic leader? I was like, oh my god, you know you get those body chills, <laughs> that that kind of resonant knowing. So it became the Celtic leader, and I think for five weeks. Six weeks, it wrote itself through me. It woke me up at like two and three in the morning. And um, I just knew that I had to get it out into the world. I had to, you know, to, to pull it through um, and to let it dream its way through me and uh, bring itself into clarity. Um, so that was, I mean, the Celtic leader is actually only two years old. I've only run two cycles of it, but it feels so much Somebody said to me last week, somebody who's just finished the program, they're like, I cannot believe this is only two years. She said, it feels like it's it's so deep. It's been running for, for way longer. But in some long. sense, it's not, right? In some sense, it's not <laughs> yeah. two years old. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's just so, it's so beautiful the way you described it dreamed you. I mean, I think it's really important that people like stop for a second and listen to that. Like it dreamed you. Um, you didn't really have to do anything. It came through you. Um, as you said, it downloaded in stages, almost like like a abbreviated seasonal unfolding through you. Um, and I think it's really important to name that that aspect that you don't you didn't have to grasp for it. You didn't I mean think about it, the, even the naming of it. you were just you were just kind of having a chat with your husband and and even he said, well, why don't you just combine the two? Which I think it's just such a, such a lovely example of when we're grasping for things and we're trying to force things, right, into a, I don't know, into a box or into a name so it's so perfect. It's actually not what's meant to be. It's almost supposed to be this delightful, surprising, um, effortless thing. And to me, these past several years I've had a number of those instances where yeah you sort of wake up in the middle of the night and grab the notebook and you jot down what's come to you and you're not even sure you have all the vision to be able to decipher what you just wrote down but you put it away right and then you say okay well I'll I'll look at that tomorrow and sometimes tomorrow it doesn't even make sense quite yet and there have been times I've written things down and it doesn't really make sense until about six months or a year later. And I think, wow, that was an interesting sort of pre-alarm to the alarm clock. Um, and I just think it's such a, such a beautiful way of helping people remember that um, there's going to be a lot that comes through us. And, and the other thing you used was the word, like the word alchemy or alchemical. I mean, it is. Some of these things, it's when you mix two elements that normally wouldn't go together, you're actually creating. And if, if people look at the history of alchemy, going way, way back, um, that was that was what it was about. It was the transformative experience of what might come of, of taking two things and putting them under intense duress, pressure, heat, and focus, um, what might come of it. 
and um, you know some people would say that's the origins of some of our modern medicine and others would say it's the the kind of the tactile experience of the things we can't explain the mystery of of what we're what we're talking about here so that's such a i think it's such a beautiful reminder that um you know some might some might say the program is two or a toddler but others might say it's a very wise old soul that yeah and thanks for saying that i think you know this year in year two i had a little bit more space to really be with the program because last year sorry the first year of it was it was like the you know content creation it was still dreaming me the whole way through i was you know so i, I you know that, that that first download and that five or six weeks of writing was writing the program the structure the seasonality to it you know integrating it with with theory you and all of those things and, and, and all that planning and dreaming um but as the seasons went on i was still creating the content you know it was literally so live just happening live and this year then I was able to sit back a little bit more from it and, you know, and, and just have a little bit of more space, obviously, around it. And this year then, in year two, it really became apparent how deep the work is and how sacred the work is and how soulful the work is and how needed the work is. And it is just a way. It's not the way, but it's a way. Um, so, yeah, and, you know... I really feel so lucky and all those words lucky and blessed and humbled and privileged to be really living my own purpose. It's so purposeful um, and so purpose-filled doing this, this kind of work. But the dream and be dreamed is a beautiful um, almost summary of the season of winter solstice in the Celtic calendar, which is the dream time. It's the Celtic dream time. And at that stage in the calendar, we've already been through the first um, season of the Celtic calendar, which is Samhain. And we start the Celtic new year in the dark half of the year. So it's very countercultural. I always say this on the program. I say this is countercultural at the moment. It's countercultural, but it is not counter resonant. And that's what people really tune into the 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 energy of the season the rhythm of the season and and then the alchemy that's available to you that kind of you know the the harnessing the leveraging um of those elements but the dream and be dreamed for me i think has become more of a core aspect of my own work is to support people to to dream to dream the biggest vision for the highest potential future that wants to and can only emerge through you and because of you so it's that alignment with with self but as you're dreaming the future the future is dreaming you and so there is that beautiful non-grasping but it is countercultural to slow down and step into a process that is way slower than anything that that certainly that I have come across in my almost uh, 15 years of being in business and uh, running my own um, enterprise so um yeah it's very counter cultural at the yeah. moment yeah <laughs> i think it's 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 really interesting that you talk about the counter because there's two things that are kind of these these sort of offshoots that light up for me when you when you talk about that and and one is the um 
the sense of what COVID has shown us, um, right? I mean, talk about the counter, right? This, this aspect of we had to get to a place where we were nearly still, right? We were not moving. And in some vein, I think it's fascinating because the dreamscape became so vivid and so alive for so many of us where, you know, some people called them COVID dreams. Um, and I've always felt like because as a human entity, as a population, we've, we've not known in our, in our time a time when we've all been so still and at home and sort of with our own resonance. And I believe what happened, and I would love your thoughts on this, is while we were home and still and in our domiciles and in our safety and thinking very much about our own mortality, that what happened is people dreamed and we actually sort of met each other in a dreamscape because we were all going through the same integrated experience. And it opened sort of this realm in which most people were experiencing very vivid dreams for one. And number two, they were saying, oh, I had this very strange dream and they would start to recount it. And then somebody said, that's strange because a quarter of my dream was exactly that portion. But then there's this other part that I had and another person would say, that's really interesting. That showed up in my dream too. And 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 almost like this this aspect of, you know, kind of, leaves falling on the ground and then some of the one leaf would overlay the other and one would overlay the other and so it became this beautiful venn diagram and then in some vein in some of my circles it scared people like it really frightened them to be talking about these dreams and saying well why did why did this show up in my dream and your dream and your dream um and i don't know if it's a theory or just a sense that i had that because we were all going through something so similar we actually were able to kind of dream together. We also had so many common fears at the same time. And it was, it was a frequency, right? Um, so that's that's one thing I would love for, for you to maybe reflect on. Is that something that you, that you think is more, and I don't wanna use the word true, but is it, is it something that was felt um, in, in, in your experience of what COVID has been for, not only for you, but for your family, for your friends, for your country, um, and some of the work that you've done. I think it's like, you have so, you've so the soul of a poet, you know, you really have <laughs> such you. a gift with words. Oh my God, my, I'm like, my, my brain is exploding. My heart is exploding here. <laughs> Listening to you, you're giving me so, you know, that's a, that's a beautiful perspective that I hadn't, I hadn't used that language myself. Mm. So as I reflect on that, and I love, I do love the language of dreaming. So for you to bring in the dreamscape and you know, that's just beautiful. So what comes up for me as I'm listening to you on a personal level, first of all, is, is even though we might not have used, actually we did not use the words dreaming our future as a family, but we set intentions, we used that language. We set very conscious intentions, myself and my husband and our two boys who are now 13 and nine, but would have been 
12 and 8, obviously, at the beginning of, of, of COVID, we set really clear intentions and conscious intentions for how we wanted to be as a family. And in some ways, going back to using your language there, we dreamed the dream of the, the, you know, the highest future that we could have during the times that we were together and in lockdown. And, you know, in, in total honesty, there was a lot of challenge during that time here in the family environment because um, I felt, I haven't really spoken to anybody about this except my husband, but I felt that there was ancestral deep lineage healing coming through um, one of my sons, particularly between myself and himself, and that there was conflict that arose and tension or a, or a dynamic that arose during the times that we were here together that had I'd never experienced before. And I felt when I kind of relaxed into that and meditated with that, what came to me was that it wasn't us, but we were almost like channels for, it was ancestral and, and it was really deep work. And I actually even had conversations with my son about that. Um, and, you know, so in our own dreaming of our own highest future, the intention that we set, which was that we would come, we would, we would be more unified, more cohesive, that we would really hold the values of the culture that we kind of say that we, we have as a family, we would really hold dear or close to those and align with those and live and breathe those. And in the intention setting or the dreaming of that, look what came through and look what happened. And we, you know, we often say one of the gifts of COVID for us as a family is that we, our relationships have have really deepened um, and I mean that is the greatest gift because for me the whole leadership piece is always about you know how it ripples out from the center and there were times over the course of my 15 years in business where I went out to serve everyone else and not myself or my family and got you know burnt out or wasn't financially sustainable and so there was so much that was happening out there that obviously was, you know, was anchored in how I was or how I wasn't able to be. So for us, that, um, yeah, the dreamscape of COVID definitely dreamed us as a family in a different way, which has been a huge gift. But just to move out from the internal ripple out, and I think one of my uh concerns yes i feel it as a concern or some sort of pain but also as a deep opportunity is i've been reflecting and thinking about how to support people at a collective level both here in ireland and globally to actually make visible or make explicit or to clarify what has come up during this time and and how can you then how can you be supported to integrate that to be an agent of change for that to lead that change because my experience personally 
and working with uh, other people throughout COVID and, you know, uh, in these times is that we do revert to the old, even when we have the insights and the, the you know, they pop up to the surface. And I think Otto Scharmer has a beautiful quote, which again, I'm going to paraphrase like I did with John O'Donoghue earlier, but he says something about, you know, at the moment of, I think he calls it meltdown. At the moment of meltdown, will we freeze and revert to the old ingrained ways? Or will we lean into a future that wants to emerge? So that's a bit of a juxtaposition for me. I'm kind of, I'm dreaming how to, but the way you described it was so beautiful. I was just, I was imagining in the moment that you were speaking, I was like, imagine being able to weave this dreamscape of individuals and, 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 and as a collective together and then make those visions, make those dreams a reality because that's the work. The dreaming is one part. The non-grasping dreaming is such a powerful, potent, beautiful part. But then the second part for me anyway, in terms of leadership is the agency to make it happen. How do I then take that dream? Which does need, I mean, you mentioned earlier, you know, that sometimes you write something in the middle of the night when you've had that kind of, you have that illuminated, those illuminated thoughts and you write them down and they don't quite make sense. They might not make sense for a year or for a couple of years, I think you mentioned. But the thread of the dream is there. So that there is, there's a, there's a, almost a, a process um, a powerfulness in the dream but then how do you integrate that how do you make it a reality that's the other part that I'm also interested in is dream and be dreamed but then how do you I often call it you know if you're big-hearted you know take your big-hearted vision to purpose-led mission you know how do you those two for me are definitely integrated so just in summary is I'm just thinking, yeah, imagine that's my that's kind of one of my my main reflections at the moment is how to support the collective movement of the dreams or the insights that were ignited and that have been brought to consciousness now over this period of stillness and forced stillness. How do we how do we leverage, harness, alchemize those? Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, when you think about the meltdown, again, that's such a beautiful image that comes to mind. But the image that, that I'm getting is almost like, you know, when, when people do the glass blowing, right? And they've melted down the, they've melted all the, the sand into the form. And there's that sort of flashpoint. I think, I don't even know if they call it a flashpoint, but it reminds me of, you know, if you've ever watched sort of the, the videos of the glass making or the crystal making and the, and they're sort of turning the thing and they realize there's a point that if they leave it in for too long, it will, it will ooze down and it'll lose its form, right? The form that you're trying to make. But if you take it out too soon, it'll flash freeze and you won't be able to actually go beyond that initial lattice that it's starting to form without destructing the entire thing again and putting it back in the, the I don't know if the right word is, um, and the word is escaping me, but the sort of the, the cauldron, if you will, you, you'd almost have to submerge it all the way back in and start the process again. And for those that are glassblowers that might be listening to parts of the world, I'm probably simplifying this way too much. So I apologize for that. But, but I share that because that's the image that's coming to mind is that aspect of it. it's, it's like this flashpoint. And, and in some ways, it's an intuition, 
you know, if somebody were to say, tell me exactly the point when you pull it out of the fire or why you keep it in the fire. I imagine the people that are the craftsmen of this work couldn't really tell you exactly when they just kind of know, right? It, it, it's, it's like if you meet a chef and they say, well, why do you put that much in? Or why? I don't know. It's just, it's an intuition. It's a feeling. And, and I think what's so powerful and, and frightful, I want to also name that for people, is that we're seeing more of those moments come up, be it in leadership development, be it in work, be it in our families, where we just have this knowing that's coming through. And this, this is what I want to kind of take back to even the example you shared so beautifully about your son, right? There's these, there are these things that come up and they almost don't seem of us, right? Like, I, I don't even know if this is mine, so to speak, but it's coming through me. Um, and it's such a beautiful example of, I, I know I must do something with it, but I don't know why. And I know it's a flashpoint. And I personally believe that in those moments, that's when the great opening sort of happens between the realms. Um, you describe Samhain, you know, the beginning of the calendar. And I believe, keep me honest here, Samhain's kind of around what we might call Halloween. Is it sort of around that time? It's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and I love that reminder because the the societal accepted narrative for those in the west might be and when i say west i mean western hemisphere might be you know halloween it's this night of um darkness right it's this night of ghouls and goblins it's this night where the veil is very thin and all of that i think in some way has really been co-opted um and we've forgotten really what it is about and and i and I think we are afraid of that for, for the right reasons. We're afraid of it because we're afraid of what's actually going to come through and come up. And so what do we do? We don masks. We don costumes. We don things that, that are distractions as opposed to kind of leaning into it and saying, what do I know is true? Because if you know something is true, it could be even scarier than what is frankly what we think is true, <laughs> which is the reality we're in. And I also believe the youth have so much to teach us. You know, I, I love that you share that story because it's cross-generational, it's intergenerational. And it's not just you and your son, it's you and your son and probably a number of ancestors. <laughs> most definitely, most definitely, yeah. Most yeah. definitely, yeah. Um, so, so I share that just because it was so, I mean, there's so much like imagery that comes up even when we ch when we chat and it makes i mean i'm such a visual person and this is another thing a reason i really love the work that you're doing around the calendar around the the celtic spirituality because there are symbols there are customs there are things that are that are used and captured in a way with intent because in some in some way words can't Words kind of imprison the experience, don't they? Often they can they can limit limit it, but there's often what we do in the program as well. And I mean, this is not just uh, unique, obviously, to the Celtic leader, but we learn. This is theory. You really, we learn to really make sense of uh, embodied feelings. Um, and theory, you has a beautiful coined term that they created called presencing, which is a blend of the word present, presence and sensing. 
So it's you know being present and having presence in the in the in the in the moment, and then the sensing part is to sense what wants to emerge. It's like and and it does that doesn't come in cognitive um, form. It comes mostly initially anyway. It comes in a felt sense of something, a leaning towards or a blinking on the horizon or a sense of excitement in the belly or a curiosity or so it's it, it happens first through the senses as opposed to you know and then we can obviously shut it down cognitively trying to make sense of it which is why in a way the calendar is just so powerful and so beautiful because it follows the natural pace of when I started working with it first what I really saw was a process I saw a, an actual, naturally aligned, beautiful rhythm of a process to go from kind of, you know, letting go the old and the ways that don't serve us any longer um, into the dreaming and then on into the vision being realised. And the you, the theory you, if you, you know, in very simple terms, uh, there's a lot more complexity to it than this, but in 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 beautiful, simple, most profound things are simple, aren't they? Um, but the you, it's you know, it starts up at the top left hand corner and goes down and goes up the right, and basically in three kind of phases at its most simple level, you know, as you come down the left side of the you, you're in what's called observe, observe, observe. So it's like a triple observation phase, which is where you step back, step up, step over, step around, kind of three sixty degree view of your life or of the system that you are looking to change or that you feel drawn to change um, and in the in the observation phase you engage with all the stakeholders that you can in order to really sense what's going on in the system and what's going on for the system and when you drop into the bottom of the you at the down at the bottom um you move into deeper levels of cognition. This is where the presencing happens. It's where you become present to what you observed and what you picked up. Um, and you begin to um, connect to the source, like the deep source of inspiration and will, you know, what wants to come through you, what's what wants to be taken up the right side of the you, which is into prototyping, into exper you know, experimenting through action or creating the future by doing is kind of the language that 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 MIT would use. So like in, in some ways, that's uh, I saw that beautiful you methodology, which I completely made the backbone of my business since I, you know, since going to Boston and, and, and studying in 2013, it just became the backbone of my business. My one to one coaching sessions, my leadership programs um, facilitation sessions, everything. It just became part of what I was doing. And then I began to dream, or it dreamed me again, maybe, the, um, what actually I can see a symbiosis or an integration aspect there between certainly the first six months of the year um, or the first four seasons of the Celtic calendar. Um, and that was my prototype with the Celtic leader. That was my experimentation. That was me leading the future by doing. It was like, I wonder... These feel so resonant together. How will they actually work together? And I remember a friend of mine um, and, and peer colleague, Chris Chapman, he said to me at winter solstice of the first year of the programme, he said, so Nadine McCarthy, um, 
what are your insights now that you've been running the programme for a couple of months? Just on a call, and it was one of those reflective questions. And I was like, oh, I remember saying to him, and it still blows me away. I was like, what I felt was so transformative in theory you, and had felt that since 2013, was actually being enhanced and made even better by integrating it or intertwining it with the Celtic wisdom, the archetypes, the energy, the symbols, as you mentioned, and the seasons. It just, and it continues to amaze me all the time, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. What a gift. I mean, that, that in its sense, as you described, it's the alchemical, right? It's like you took something that, that had its base and you added to it and... It's such a beautiful. It's such a beautiful reminder that 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 really what people can do, really anyone can do, is if they if they do that deep listening, as you did. And I love the observe, observe, observe because you know you and I both also do meditation um, quite a bit. And one of the most powerful meditation practices I learned a number of years ago was actually that triple observe. Very similar in the sense that. You know, you kind of go into a deep meditation and you start sort of in this body that you're in now. And then you actually imagine yourself sort of popping out of your body and being about six feet away, watching yourself meditate. And so imagine if like I'm in this part of the room and then I kind of go a little bit this way. And then you do it a third time and you put yourself a little further away at a different angle. So what you're actually doing is you're watching the second version of you watching the first version of you meditate. And it's almost like a triangle. And I remember the difficulty of it was was quite difficult. Like it seems quite simple, but you you almost have to put yourself in a couple different projections so that the third version of you is actually not able to see the first version of you. Instead they're they're witnessing you through the second person. And where it becomes really kind of mysterious is you're almost, imagine if you were watching the facial expressions of a stranger who that stranger was observing another stranger. And let's say the first stranger is actually going through some anguish. Well, the second stranger observing will experience that anguish and they'll shift their body language or maybe even their facial expressions. But the third person is only seeing the second person's facial expressions. So they must deduce, they must imagine, they must be compassionate from like a third point of view. And it's getting pretty heady, it gets pretty meta, but it's extremely powerful. And what, what, I, what I would always kind of emerge with was this enhanced sense of empathy, this compassion for self in a way, going back to what you said, right, was I, I very much like you would give, give, give to so many and would forget that if you don't sort of nourish self, you're going to, you're going to fall. You can't give to anyone, you know, you can't give to your tribe, you can't give to your family. And it was always this very interesting juxtaposition of, well, I know I must do those things, but I thought those things to be selfish. I thought those things to be, um, not earned and when in fact the best way that you can be a serve a servant leader to others is 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 by making sure you you start with that cauldron of compassion for yourself 
and it it was just such a transformative practice for me to do that and I still do it um I've done it a few times um in some really difficult challenging even conversations and people might think well how do you do that when you're in the midst of a conversation well it takes a lot of work but you can do it you know if you're in a really tense conversation and you find yourself getting defensive or worked up um you know, you can, you can kind of do that triple observer and what you find yourself is then ushering back this sense of compassion for yourself and um, you can get through some pretty difficult conversations that way. So I know that's a long way to kind of talk around that, but it reminded me of that, the power of what you're talking about, that sort of triple observe. We, we oftentimes don't give ourselves even the first observe, right, before something distracts us Absolutely. and we shut it down. Yeah. Yeah, we run away. We do absolutely, and I always thought there was great wisdom in the triple observe because it's like you know, it's three levels, three layers. Mm-hmm. There's the three, the power of and three. there's the power yeah, of three, the trinity. Yeah, I know. Stuff. Yeah, of course. It's like it, you know, it's just the deeper you go, the deeper you go. <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, I, I always thought that was just fabulous. You know, observe, 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 and you know, I, I mean, what I've and, and of course listening as a kind of a, you know, when I trained to be a coach, I learned that there were three levels of listening. When I went to Boston to study Theory U, I learned that there were four levels of listening. So to, like, to, to, to align the four levels of listening to the system that you feel drawn to change or to lead or to make a contribution to or to make a difference to is... It's just revolutionizing. And in a lot, in a lot of the work that I would have done, particularly through the Theory U work, where, you know, it was systems-based change. Um, and some of that work would have been around youth leadership across the country of Ireland or uh, improving the well-being curriculum for teenagers in schools across Ireland as well. But when we brought the youth, this is just referencing something you brought in earlier as well. So we would have we would have a multi-stakeholder approach because we'd be observing, observing, observing across the stakeholders in the system. But every single time that we brought in the voices and the stakeholders of the youth, it was just breathtaking, revolutionizing, just incredible. So that was the transformative aspect. It was just incredible, absolutely incredible, groundbreaking, you know? Yeah, groundbreaking. Or radical. I just heard myself say the word radical, which is really back to the roots. And they just seem to be so connected to the roots, the truth. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll. It gives, it gives me so much hope. I mean, there there is another aspect of, you know, and it, as, as we think about going forward and and whatever that looks like it just it does give me so much hope in talking with the youth um because even when you when you think about things like ceremonies i mean we've we've been challenged to understand what ceremony is in such a different way in these in this era of covid and and still there are youth who are making the ceremonies what they need to be for them in their own way and 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 almost kind of boiling it down to really what is the essence of the the importance that i need to get out of ceremony when in fact i can't we can't gather 
we can't recognize, we can't, um, we can't award, but what can we do? And what's, what's, what's true to, to what I need from a recognition um, and a ceremony? And I've just been so inspired by the, the unique creative ways that those that are graduating or matriculating you know, those that were in 2020 and had that kind of first, well, I guess we're not going to have this, right? I guess we're not going to have our traditions, our ceremonies. And now in 2021, you know, I just watched um, the the um, commencement ceremony for my own alma mater online just last week. And it was different for sure. They were they had to do different things. But there's a, a spark, a brightness in the eyes of those that are graduating and taking themselves into, as you named, these systems. And the thing that excites me, I imagine you're very much the same, is they're starting to say, the system doesn't work. We've got to change things. And it's and they're taking on those challenges. Um, because I think, to your point earlier, they've, they've realized, even though they didn't make this system and this challenge that we're in, they didn't necessarily contribute to it. They're also not running away from the deep work. Um, and in some ways, they're going to become our own teachers, which excites me because they're very much in tune. You know, even if you think about the ancestral work we've talked about in the past, there's a lot of people who are reaching out and understanding where they came from, who they are, why they feel this way, you know, I've had more conversations with young people about epigenetics, you know, trauma that, that happened generations prior that show up in us in a way that we don't necessarily understand. But more importantly, we can say to ourselves and to those ancestors, I see you. I understand. I observe what happened to you. And then release ourselves from it and sort of create a new within, within the the structures that exist and and turn to things that we know to be true the earth nature cycles seasons those are all things that will never fail us systems will fail us yeah they do i know otto i know i'm quoting him as as well but otto Sharma has this quote that always this is verbatim because it sticks in my mind <laughs> is um you know collectively creating results that nobody wants Oh, that's what systems that's what systems do you know and it's like exactly. the einstein quote isn't it like a definition of insanity just keep doing keep it doing it even though we know it doesn't work expect different results expect yeah. different results yeah exactly but i think that there's a um yeah there's a richness isn't there there's a richness in this is what's striking me as i was listening to you there was just i could feel two two threads maybe illuminating around the the young people and also the ancestral piece just the just the importance of that and I, I know for me because of the work with theory you you know I'm always sensitive to and presencing for the collective field because you know that's you know that's where the, the the answers are and the wisdom is and the future is the emerging future like the action that that wants to be taken from that deeper wider knowing is within the field but having run the Celtic leader, let's say, for two years and observing what comes up in the collective field is, you know, also such a, 
you know, it's a gift. It's, it's really, a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> this isn't very eloquent, but these are the words that are coming in. It's a thing of beauty, you know, it's a thing of power and it's a thing of beauty. Um, and the depth to which the ancestors made themselves known this year through the young people. Like I had, a, I had more young people on the program this year than I had in year one. So we have young people in their 20s, just like, oh my gosh, like, there was one guy on the programme who told me, not when he joined, but at a later stage, um, that he had intention, was we start the programme with intentionality. Um, and what he had, you know, crafted, um, what had come through him as his intention was that one of the intentions he had for joining the Celtic Leader programme was to use it as an initiation into manhood. Wow. Like that just... Wow. Gee, I, got, oh, I can feel that in all of my body. What a, what a, like, I couldn't have, I didn't script that. I never, that was nowhere in my intention when I, when I dreamed and was dreamed for the Celtic leader. But, you know, just that, that depth of what the programme can hold is just, that's given me, a, a, you know, another maybe lens or perspective into what this work might want to unfold as and is emerging as through the stakeholder voices from this year's programme. So it's quite phenomenal. And the connection with the ancestors and even the connection with Ireland itself as a force is phenomenal. It's really phenomenal, you know. So I feel I'm just going on and on and on about the Celtic leaders. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, I mean, it, it, it gives me, it gives me, I mean, even that, I felt the chills immediately when you when you shared that 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 particular participant in the program said that that was their intention. I mean, it's so powerful because even if you think about that, that's a young person who's literally tapping into the ancient wisdom of the initiation into manhood. I mean, that is something that has existed for millennia, but we've forgotten about. It you don't see it in today's society, right? And and yet there's this yearning, this hunger, this starvation for it by young men it's so it makes me so happy to hear that that people are tapping into that because there's no way they knew about that other than to listen inward right that that sort of was already in him because it's in our dna it's in our tribal culture but we've stepped away from it we've forgotten it and it brings me such joy to know that this program is allowing people to one reflect to you know, look inward, and then three emerge with, with an ancient knowing, and a and a beautiful guide that will never fail them. It's such a gift. Yeah, I remember like he he left me a voice note. Mm -hmm. You know, to to you know he was sharing various things, and I actually felt all my cells. Just stop, just totally went. It was like every part of me, even now I can tap into it again. As I listened to him say those words, I was just like, oh my God, it was like every cell in my body just kind of paused <laughs> and went into a deep, deep stillness. And yeah, just incredible. So I, I think part for me, part of my own work with this work is to just be so present and trust and know that the container itself can hold these various purposeful, intentional um, intentions. 
I, mean, I was working with an astrologer actually around the, the, the time of the birth of the programme. And I, oh, she's just a beautiful lady. Anne-Marie Kenny is her name. And she, I woke, I used to wake up in the morning. Like I'd, I'd be wake, woken up, as I said to you, about two or three and I'd start writing or whatever. But I used to wake up, um, sometimes when I'd t connect into my email first thing, somebody would have sent me like one of those, you know, divinely timed, aligned emails overnight that seemed random but were so synchronous. Anyway, one morning when I logged in, there was an email from Anne-Marie just to say, I feel compelled to tell you to trust your creation no matter where it takes you. And that, in a way, I've shivers up the back of my neck sharing that with you, but in a way, that's been the, unfo that's been the, 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 the unfolding and the trusting of, you know, uh, working with such intentionality. But yeah, that, you know, that, that part that you highlighted for me again about the dreaming and being dreamed, the ungrasping aspect of being dreamed, which does really tie in beautifully with the emerging future, you know, that comes through the theory you language. You know, Otto talks about becoming the landing strip, you know, that that's why we that's why we observe and we go deep and we create this space at the bottom of the U to presence to allow the sparks of the future to come through us because it will only the future will only land in us through us if we create that kind of deep space. Um, so there's a there's a but that lines up with the winter solstice, you know, that lines up with the Celtic dream time, which is also reminiscent. And I talk about this in the program with the Aboriginal dream time, you know, the creation of the of the world. So oh, there's threads of connection everywhere. Yeah. And I think even, you know, the beautiful reminder, the divine synchronous reminder, even you and I connecting um, in the way we did and then that continuing to unfold in the way it has. And you know, I'm reminded of the audio message that you sent me after listening to the episode of um, you know, the, the, the soul family healing, which was the, the, the um, ancestral pilgrimage episodes that I had with my youngest brother. You know, and somehow I wake up around 3.33 in the morning, which uh, is a significant number, the 3.33 for me. And I check my phone and I see there's the audio messages from you. And you've just finished essentially listening to that, that journey between two brothers um, with a strong Irish lineage. And it opened up a whole bunch of healing for you. And, and um, I so appreciated that you took that moment to share and respond in voice. Like there's there's also such power in the spoken word going back to your your point around intention right we set the intention when you speak something into the world you're actually changing the frequency of the world around you at that moment and i've learned through my own you know work and reflection that that's sort of one of my power centers makes sense why i've got the podcast right <laughs> and the beauty of of somebody sharing with you that you you must create in this world and don't worry about where it lands don't worry about how it looks don't don't trouble yourself with that um but you must you must create and 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 let that um, canvas you know find its way um and so i just so appreciate that you that you took the time to 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 listen deeply and share deeply um it it further bonds kind of our tribes in this time and the dream time and the ancestral time. Yeah, 
True. Yeah, well, look, it's, it was my absolute pleasure. I, I just, because I'm so, um, you know, because I've been practicing, presencing <laughs> since 2013, I try to um, act out of that energetic impulse that, that, that I know is resonant truth within my body. But I also was, I was so delighted. I was so, I was so, I very, I get very excited and giddy about things, but that's part of the future coming through. You know, you feel that pulse of energy and um, joy and all sorts of like, just, just those kind of elevated states and uh, emotion, high, high emotion. And, and, and I try to honor that. <laughs> um, but I just couldn't not um, acknowledge my excitement and yeah, just there was like lights going off all over my body as I was listening to you and Brian and you know what he was sharing and um, that was a beautiful, two beautiful podcasts to you know to to listen to so much so much wisdom in that and of course then my own connection with Ireland. Um, and Ireland as a force and as an alchemical force herself and listening to Brian talking about the land and his pilgrimage here and all the amazing um, synchronistic meetings that he had. It was just, yeah, I mean, it was really, it was really beautiful. And I think this is part of our, um, uh, you know, it's the integration part again. It's the, you know, it's the alchemy, as you were saying, it's like taking, to, you know, taking two elements. It's like, you know, being able to track alongside linear time, but also working in deep time. You know, we, we often call it in the Celtic tradition, time outside time, you know, where we enter into deep time, we enter into a different way of knowing, we connect with the land, we connect with the ancestors, we connect with the other world and, um, the energies of the archetypes and all that it's just but you're still grounded in you know you're still in the Gregorian calendar you're still in linear time but you have access through portals um, into other ways of knowing and then you bring that back and reintegrate that and yeah we're all the we're all the more strong I guess and aligned for doing that so yeah, it's beautiful. But thank you to you and Brian for that. Those amazing podcasts. So many sparks going off in my head <laughs> as I listened to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I, you know, I think about as, as you, even as you say, you know, the Gregorian calendar, which we sort of just take for. I don't want to say take for granted, but we take it for. Okay, that's the way it's always been. I mean, when people go back and look at the history of the calendar, like people just kind of made an edict and changed it, you know, and 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 so you think to yourself, well, if it's if it's just sort of that simple to change and then everybody, you know, steps in line and, you know, subscribes to it, well, then really what it, where, where does the power lie? And I think what's really fascinating is even as, as a young child, I always felt this sense of something that I later coined because it didn't really quite make sense to me, but I always felt this sense of being near the edge of a continent at least twice in a year, and I'm putting year in quotes because, again, what is the Gregorian versus what is the, the Celtic? Um, and I called it the theory of the edges, was the only way I knew how to describe it. And people said, well, what is that? And I said, I don't know how to describe it other than something inside me requires me to go to the edge of a continent at least twice a year 
to, to stare and to meet the void that is sort of the chasm, be it the Pacific or the Atlantic or something. And that's always sort of been in my DNA. And I never really understood it. And then when obviously my brother shared the story in the pilgrimage and the people, you know, leaving Ireland and even those who left Germany, left from, you know, Belgium, it made sense to me all of a sudden it like clicked. I was like, this is why, because there's this aspect of my, my ancestors who left and went on the, went, you know, across the ocean and knew they were never coming back. And so for me, I was like, well, no wonder I used to stand on the west coast of Ireland and just stare. No wonder I would find myself in Southern California just staring out at the Pacific. And really, th there wasn't any ritual about it. It was, it was, I just knew I had to plant myself there for some moments and complete this ceremony of sorts that I didn't entirely understand. Um, but was so true to me. Like nobody could have told me it's it's made up, it's imagined, it's dreamed. It didn't really matter. I was like, well, it's the theory of the edges. And it's become so clear to me now that, that it's this imprint of completing a cycle, right? It's the seasonal cycle in me that's coming through me, the ancestors coming through me and saying, honor and see and acknowledge and observe. It goes back to the triple observe again. There it is. There's another synchronicity. Like observe, observe, observe. Stand there, stare into the vast, and observe yourself, observe what's in front of you, and observe what comes up. Um, so yeah, it's just, it, it, see, it continues to unfold. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's beautiful, isn't it? And there is and systemic change as well in the ecosystems that the richness the richness happens at the edges, you know, that's, that's, that's where it's most fertile for change, if you know what I mean, for the, you know, that's where we know. Um, so there's something about that as well, but there's something very yeah, deep and ancestral about just wanting to be there and stand there and stare. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that as, as a ritual, actually, <laughs> or as an, as an unfolding, in, you know, intentional ritual. Um, for you um yeah i'm really curious about that that's really beautiful well i really appreciate the time that we've spent i can't believe it's it's flown by like again what is time right it's a suggestion um but i would love for you to share um where people can find more about you um about the celtic leader where they can connect with you um You've you've shared some writings um, that you've done. Obviously, I've seen some of your stuff on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. It's such beautiful writing. I think it's things that are going to drum up some things in people in a wonderful, mysterious, curious way. And I would love for them to reach out to you. And then also, obviously, you've got, um, and I'm going to use the word, um, I don't know if it's the right word, cons kind of consortiums or classes when you go through the Celtic leader that's based on the calendar. So I imagine you're, you're in that now, maybe share kind of, when the next one starts, I think it's around Samhain, but um, we'd love for you to talk about that. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, probably the best place to find me or to look at the, you know, to have some kind of space maybe to sit with the, the Celtic leader itself is the Um And, or you can find me under NadineMcCarthy.ie, but the Celtic leader is probably, so that's C-E-L-T-I-C. Um, 
and the next cycle, yeah, does not begin. We begin at the at the start of the Celtic New Year. So we begin in the dark half, what's known as the dark half, the Gamos part of the year. Um, we're in the light half of the year now in the Northern Hemisphere, of course, not in the Southern Hemisphere. But um, yeah, so I won't be um, relaunching that probably until September, maybe August, September. But um, yeah, I've, I've taken a few back steps just because I've just finished the program, um, I'm just about to post out certificates. Um, uh, tomorrow, actually, they'll all be going out. So I've taken a little back, yeah, a few back steps just to reflect on and take some time, downtime. Um, I'm gathering feedback in from everybody now as well. So I'll continue to improve and um, evolve the program through the voices, I guess. Um, and the writing is beginning. Yeah, so I suppose, sorry, the Celtic leader on, sorry, I just shared the website there, but the I'm on Instagram under Nadine McCarthy Ireland, um, Facebook and um, what's the other one? LinkedIn as well, just under Nadine McCarthy on, on each of those. So people can, you know, I'd love to, I'd, yeah, I'd love to hear any resonance. I love when people read something um, and have some sort of, resonance with it and just reach out and say you know xyz or this really struck me or you know tell me a bit more about that so um yeah and i i do i do feel of course as you said like standing kind of on the edge and, and looking into the looking into the vastness there's a huge there's such a huge lineage of um people who would say obviously that they have um Irish lineage or Irish ancestry in America and Canada in particular, obviously in Australia too. But I feel, you know, Ireland, I don't know. I think there's, if you have a resonance, if you have a curiosity, it could be through me or it could be that you feel that Ireland is kind of drawing you. Um, then, yeah, reach out and, 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 and connect. Um, and it's just been so lovely to, I mean, I feel this has been so nourishing for me. I, I'm looking forward Thank to going you. back to listen to you on this podcast. <laughs> There's been some things you've said that I've like, gone, oh my gosh, wow, that's so illuminating or that makes so much sense. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Me yeah. Here. I mean, <clears throat> that's actually the joy of this, this whole thing, because for me, as you described as well, when I'm really kind of in the flow, I don't even, again, a vessel, right? The words come through, as you, as you said, wow, it, it, apparently it sounds poetic. Like I couldn't, if you told me to recite the words I just said, I can't, Nadine, like they're, they're not there. But to your point, I'll go back and I'll, I'll, I actually kind of do similar to what you said. There's these moments of step back where I, I listen for just sort of editing. And usually I do very little of that just to make sure it all kind of came through and it's um, captured the audio. Then I listen um, from the standpoint of just levels, making sure the volumes and whatnot. And then the third time I kind of go back and add the intro and the outro. So I'll do a little bit of the, you know, kind of intro of who you are. And, and then the fourth time I actually step back and listen as a listener and completely take your hands off the wheel and just let it, and that's where it's really interesting for me because I, I find myself stopping and be like, I said, what? <laughs> like, where did that come from? And I'm always learning. And that's the, the beauty of this is when you find yourself in the work that you are called to do, you should always be learning. 
and I love that aspect of what you described even the 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 summer step back it's I'm very I'm in a very similar spot where I never thought I would achieve as much of the creation as I've done just in this year um, and during COVID, right? The the amount of content that came through has just been um, surprising. And I'm actually going to take part of the summer to step back a little bit. And uh, I'll do a couple, on quote unquote, on the road, right? I'm, I'm finally um, able to go reunite with some family on the East Coast. So I'm going to spend some time with the big Irish tribe. Um, and... And, and, and take that time to to do a step back and to reflect a little bit. Um, so it's interesting that we're both kind of in that space. And I'm really glad that you said that because it's important that people are reminded of that, um, the nourishment. You need to take that nourishment as well. And then one last thing I'll share with you. So I do have family who have planned to be on the Ring of Kerry in the summer of 2022 <laughs> that are going to be there. They've already got... <clears throat> They've already got plans booked. I think they've already got a house booked. I wouldn't be surprised if Brian and I will be in the country and may show up Woo-hoo! in your neighborhood. <laughs> you are so invited. <laughs> it, would, it would be a joy. Oh, and it's just so interesting because my dad's family is literally from the part of yeah. Ireland that, that you're in. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, um, yeah so we that. right now that's kind of where the world is <laughs> is is showing us we will be Brilliant. in the summer of 2022 um and as as you can imagine that reuniting with uh the land and and getting back there um will be a wonderfully transformative experience yeah that'd be amazing and i would love to be part of that i'd love to meet you along your journey back here so, yeah 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 and do some and do some ceremony and reflect absolutely it would be, it would visit be really some of the powerful. sites the ancient sites too maybe um, if yeah, we, finally make that trip to John O'Donoghue's um, resting place yeah. is, is one of my one of my goals. As as you heard in the podcast with Brian too, he wanted to get there, um, didn't get there. Again, everything happens for a reason. Maybe it was meant that he and I and others were supposed to go there together. together. Yeah, so, feels yeah. like that. So, I might just yeah. finish with a couple of Ir- words in Irish. Just they just Please, came in just yes. to say that. Just, yes. just, and then I'll just translate them. Um, so I just feel to send a wish. So I just want to say. Home ag shola gra agus banach the gach ein dinna atag eishtacht lesh on podcast intak sho. So that means that I, I just want to send love and best wishes to everybody who's listening to this amazing podcast. And I don't mean amazing because I'm on it, I mean your amazing podcast. But I also just want to say that ag shola gra, when we translate it into English, is sending love. But actually, this visual, beautiful, uh, Irish language was so poetic. Egshola gra doesn't mean the direct translation of sending love. It means to sail love and wishes. So I just want to end with that. So thank you so much for having me. Beautiful image to sail in that love. Yeah. And as we're standing at the edges, may we sail into that love. Exactly. Thank you so much, Nadine. Mwah. I really appreciate the time. It was so, so beautiful. And thanks again, and I can't wait till this finds its way into the hearts and minds and ears of those around the world. So.